Welcome to Blood, Sweat, and Breast Milk, the podcast on all things motherhood. I am Lisa Kay. Today is June 4th. It has been a week. How's everybody doing? This episode is, of course, unplanned. I did not want to sit down and talk about this. No one does. But as a black woman on a podcast for black mothers by a black mother, I had to. Uh, The last 10 days have been full of a range of emotions for us all. It has been truly draining. Again, here we are. The death, the senseless killing of another black man, George Floyd, on May 25th. Every emotion from rage in that moment... We all saw the video. I did not watch the video in full. I could not. I cannot take another video. But everything from rage, because we've seen this before, to sadness, to absolute heartbreak, to anger, to exhaustion, to hopelessness, to disbelief, because there are still people out there who just don't get it, right? And on back to rage. So today we're going to talk about George Floyd and what happened to him and ask the question, why now? Why now? Because you can say it's the video. There's a lot of videos. There's Walter Scott. There's Alton Sterling. Walter Scott was shot in the back, by the way. Um, And I believe the police officer that shot him is currently in prison. Alton Sterling, who was shot while on the ground. No charges were ever filed in that case. Philando Castile, also on video. Um, By the way, that's the last video that I've watched because I was up one night scrolling and caught the live. And I just, I realized in that moment I was watching, actually watching another human being die. And I refuse to do that anymore. So that's the last video of a killing that I've watched. But that's the whole point. These all of these black men and women being shot by police and some not, they're all human beings. So why now? Why now are people paying attention? Again, videos, seen it before. Maybe it's COVID. Is it COVID? Because everybody's home. They have the time to watch, to protest. Is that what this is? Uh, Because, again, this is nothing new. This has been happening. So that said, I wanted to dedicate this episode specifically to not only those that have died at the hands of those who had no right unjustly, but also to the black mothers of the victims and mothers of black children, meaning anyone out there raising a black child a non-black woman who is taking on the responsibility of raising a black child. That's a whole nother episode in itself. I want you to listen. But any mother that has gone through the trauma, gone through the devastation of losing a son, a daughter, a loved one to any of this senseless, this senseless trend of black men and women losing their lives to the police or to entities that have no right 
this is what we're dealing with. There is such a thing as generational trauma. Black women, we mourn as a collective. There is a collective grief going on right now, not to take away from black men. Black men are angry and they are grieving. I wanted to speak though specifically to black mothers because it is not lost on me. I'm sure it's not lost on most people that in those last moments, those last breaths, George Floyd, as we all know, he was calling out for his mother. Call it, you know, he was dying. He saw the light. Many people talk about that in the last moments. Those that have come back from death, they see their loved ones. I find a little bit of comfort in knowing that his mother was with him. But I am angry that it got to that. It's devastating. That alone is symbolic. Anyone who watched the video of 12-year-old Tamir Rice gunned down in a park by an officer 2.2 seconds from getting out of his police vehicle. Even the woman who called 911 said it was a toy gun. I don't think so. I don't know. That warrants some sort of investigation. We do not get that right. A cop will pull up, guns blazing, and that was the end of a 12-year-old. That's somebody's baby. Eric Gardner, who was a grown man gasping for air, that's the beginning of I Can't Breathe as far as, you know, it being put on a T-shirt, which is also a sad state of affairs because in this case, when George Floyd passed away, all you got to do is go to the drawer and get the T-shirt from the last one. You want to talk about generational trauma, Eric Gardner left a daughter behind, Erica Gardner, 27 years old, who also was a mother of two kids, died in 2017. She died of a heart attack. Why? Fighting the fight. Fighting the fight. She was young. Generational. It's too much. It's too much. It's carried down. His mother, Gwen Carr, continues the fight, but it has affected and devastated entire families. He was someone's child. And what are we going to do? Okay, and most recently, Ahmaud Arbery, right? Gunned down by some vigilantes. You cannot watch or hear about these deaths without looking at it through the lens of a mother and stay silent. You can't. It is real. I talked to a midwife just in a general interview a few months back, and she talked about how, like, she notices the difference. And this is a white woman. She notices the difference in birthing black babies versus non-black babies in that there's something in the labor. There's something in the actual birth that sometimes she feels like it has to do something within the DNA, some type of trauma. They can't put their finger on it. I'm sure there have been studies on it. We can get her on and she can expand on that. But I'm telling you, there is something in the generations in terms of grief that is passed down. But that's a whole nother, you know, story. But I say that to say black women, when I talk about grieving, when I talk about we mourn as a collective, when I talk about the trauma that has been instilled in DNA, uh, black women been jumping off slave ships, pregnant since we were being brought over here to keep their babies from what was to come. Mothers were killing their children on the plantation to keep them from a lifetime of slavery, from the horrors and the traumas that were to come. Let's look at hundreds of years later to 
the mother of it all as far as history documents. There have been many, but my first memory, Mamie Till Mobley. Mamie Till Mobley, mother of 14-year-old Emmett Till. That is the story that everyone, at least for my generation, knows well. Emmett Till from Chicago went down south to visit his relatives in Mississippi. And what happened? Looked at a white woman. Maybe they had a conversation, maybe not. But he was 14 years old from the city. So probably there's nothing. What did they do down there in the crack-ass cracker land? They took him. They beat him, shot him, naked, threw him in the river, weighed down by some type of cotton gin motor. And that was that. But I say and pay tribute to Mamie Till Mobley because why? Because she, as a black mother, said, and this was her only son, said, I am going to have everyone see what happened. And, you know, as we all know, there was an open casket. That image has been burned into our psyche for a lifetime. So why do I say it's generational trauma? Why do I say it's in our DNA? Because when Amy Cooper in New York a week and a half ago in Central Park called 911 on dude looking at birds, my first thought was Emmett Till. My first thought was that woman in Mississippi, um, who's still alive to this day, who admitted it was a lie. Amy Cooper calling 911. I just got like flashbacks. It doesn't get any clearer. It's intentional. She straight up told him, I'm going to tell the police an African-American man is threatening my life. She said those words. She told him what she was about to do before she even dialed. You try to tell white people that this is happening and they don't believe you because it truly is insane. That woman was using the police for her own personal retribution, her own way of bullying. Look at the video. Watch how her voice changes. Maybe, I don't know, she wasn't getting the response over the phone she wanted and she's yanking her dog around. Watch how it escalates. No one is touching you. No one is threatening you. It's chilling. If it wasn't so tragic, it would be almost comical because I could see Christian Cooper out there just watching her as she's frantically talking about him threatening her. He's not moving. All he did was tell her about her dog on a leash. He simply bird watching. It does not get any less threatening than that. No offense to bird watchers, but it's almost, again, symbolic. But I, I, I don't mean to get off topic. My point is, why now? So impact, I believe it happens in threes, okay? So we are already reeling from, as a community, the February killing of Ahmaud Aubrey, right? That video just came out, like, I don't know, a month ago. So people are now seeing that he was chased through the streets of Georgia and shot on camera. And finally, his murders are arrested because of a video. We're already in that mode as we often are, and then it gets quiet and then rinse and repeat. But if you take this plus Amy Cooper's and her 911 call plus George Floyd that same day, then it's no accident. I believe that is no accident. God, Allah, the universe, whatever you believe in, said it's time for y'all to wake up.
it is time to wake up because people are dying and we are tired, but not tired enough to stop speaking out, not tired enough to call that shit out, not tired enough to demand laws be reformed, not tired enough to do the footwork to vote. Get out there, do the research, look up what judge is in what district, what their history is, look up what congressman or congresswoman is representing you, look up what sheriff serves your county, and if their track record is something you support. These are elected positions. Get out and do something. Do it for Breonna Taylor, who Let's talk about why women are getting lost in this shuffle. Maybe it's because these women are killed in spaces where there is no cell phone. A Tatiana Jefferson, just like Brianna, killed in her home. Where's the cell phone? Renisha McBride shot looking for help in the middle of the night. Sandra Bland hung in a jail cell. No cell phones. Eleanor Bumpers in her 80s. This is when I was a kid. Shot in her apartment. That's how long this has lived. Why don't we hear about these as much? I don't have the answer to that. But what I can do is keep spreading awareness, keep saying their names. Botham Jean, Trayvon Martin, there are too many. It's too much. It's too much. We could do an episode alone, just naming everybody, just naming everyone's name, telling everyone's story. The tragedy is the same. A black person minding their business or detained, but no arrest should end in death. So what do I want? I want what every mother wants. I want my kid to be able to play outside without a problem. We went on vacation a few years ago, and my then, I think, eight or nine-year-old, he won a sheriff's set from the arcade we were at. And it's like, you know, little plastic toys. And inside were handcuffs, a badge, and like a little belt to, with a holster on it. And guess what else was in there? A gun, okay? So when I was a kid, that was fun stuff. That's what you played with, right? He got home, maybe a few months later, he went to run outside with the gun. And I didn't even like, it was automatic. <laughs> it was like you kick into mom mode or black mom mode. And I grabbed that gun so fast as he was running out the door. And I had to tell him, you can't take this outside. Why? Who's in my brain at first? Tamir Rice, right? John Crawford in Walmart with a BB gun shot. So it's not safe because we don't know. It's been proven. Shoot first. Ask questions later. Enough. So back to the why now. I appreciate all of the white people that have come out and extended themselves and said, I'm behind you. It was funny. I saw someone posted the other day about Black Lives Matter and a white person had responded. We stand with you. Right. Great intentions. Someone had responded something like white people. We don't need you to stand by us. We need you to stand up to racism. And that is true. Again, the standing with us is appreciated. But the problem is going to be for white people to address with other white people. It has to be fixed with white people. We can only scream and holler so much. It has to be fixed within. So what can non-people of color do? Educate. I'd say look into organizations that advocate for minorities that are, in this case, specifically 
towards police reform, donate to those organizations, ask how you can volunteer, what can you do, what petitions need to be signed, what representatives need to be supportive, where are the meetings being held where you can actually have a voice. I say brush up on your history, look at why people of color are oppressed, like what systems were put in place, what movements and what laws were actually enacted in order to hold black people down. Redlining, read the color of law, watch the documentary 13th so you can know how the 13th Amendment was put in place. You know, there are formal laws placed into the system to stop black people from progressing. So I would say just look up what's out there and if these things still exist. Educate yourselves, educate your children, educate your friends, anyone around you who is going to sit up here and talk about they don't know no better. Now is not the time. Because black people have been sitting in a classroom for decades in the school system and learning your side. Like, why do I need now to sit down and break down for you what our, as I said, generational trauma has been in order for you to understand how we got to this place? I am a strong believer that if... Non-black people had learned in school the history of how this country treated minorities. There would be a new understanding. There would be a totally different perspective on where we are today, and it would not be tolerated. I promise you. Um, The second thing I would suggest is to just have empathy. Be open to listening to what people are going through how it is affecting people emotionally and try to support in that way. Nickelodeon yesterday took a moment to black out their station for eight minutes, 46 seconds. And parents were outraged. Some, not all. Why? You cannot resist when someone is trying to pay tribute. Try stepping out of your box for a minute. Try teaching your children that other people are suffering. God forbid people have a conversation with their children about oppression or about how other people have been oppressed. You want to help? Put yourself in someone's shoes. A lot of these arguments that are happening now is because people are only seeing things from their own perspective. And then finally, speak out. Protest. Donate. Look at what you can do to be a part of the solution. Because to just sit back and think, okay, it's for someone else to take on, it's not going to work. So what do we do moving forward? President Obama did a town hall online last week that was excellent. I would, if you haven't seen it yet, just Google Obama and racial justice uh, or Obama and policing. It'll come up. One of the speakers there was Brittany Packnett Cunningham. She is one of the co-founders of Campaign Zero. And they have an eight can't wait campaign, which it introduces some great policy solutions. Everything from restricting the use of police force to reallocating funding into the community to ending the prison system as we know it. So check it out, uh, 8can'twait.org. Again, we have a long way to go. I don't have all the answers, but that is definitely a start. And we have to keep up the momentum. So tomorrow is a new day. I am Lisa Kay for Blood, Sweat, and Breast Milk. For all the mothers, we will continue to fight for you so that your sons and daughters are not lost in vain. Much love.